gratitude. God, we thank you this morning that as we gather that you, we have confidence that you are with us. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that as we listen to your word, I pray, God, that you would speak, that we would hear your words and that we would believe your truth and that we would live according to the light that you have given to us. Lord, help us this morning to grow in our love for you and our passion to live consistently for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this time the kids can be dismissed to Children's Church. And if the rest of you will open your Bibles, we're actually going to begin, and the book of Ephesians is where the first passage is going to be this morning. As we open our Bibles this morning, and as we think about where we are this morning, we are in the middle of a big series that we are walking through as a church. And the big series is about just a big picture of who we are, what we're doing, what we want to be about as believers, about as the church, as followers of Jesus. Uh, we spent a few weeks ago talking about faithfulness. And as we talked about faithfulness, we, we spent some time talking about this picture that of, a, of a wheel about how God works, that, that we realize that God works in us, that he has given his son Jesus Christ, he's created the world, that he has loved us, that's been his work. The response to his work is that we would believe, that we would exercise faith. And so from God's work, he creates faith in us through the word of God. Our response to that would be faithfulness, that, that we would live in light of the truth, in light of what we believe, that we would be faithful, that we would be faithful in to our commitments to God, commitments to others, that we would faithfully live by truth, that we would live with contentment in the manner in which with the resources God has given to us, that we would be faithful in our marriages, in our relationships, that faithfulness would mark every part of our lives. And so faith that generates that faithfulness, and then as we are faithful, that God often works through our faithfulness. That when we share the gospel, that we are faithful to share the gospel, that's what God uses to bring people to him. When we are faithful to pray, God answers our prayers. And so God works through our faithfulness, then he works, that stirs us up, gets us excited about him, builds our faith, and this circle just keeps going. That's God's design for us. As a church, we've been talking about what this looks like and that realizing that God works through us, and we're talking I want to spend some time this week, last week, and the next few weeks talking about three primary areas of faithfulness for us as a church. And uh, we're using three books that we're making available to you. Uh, the first is the book called Prayer. That's our first area of faithfulness that we want to be committed to as a church. Uh, the second is the area of evangelism, that we want to be praying faithfully we want to be sharing the gospel faithfully and so next week we'll begin talking about evangelism and evangelism and then a couple more weeks we're going to be begin talking about discipling about growing together as believers investing our lives to help others to grow and change and so these three books are kind of helping us they're simple little resources but loaded with truth and um we're going to have some of these other books available in the next couple of weeks, but I encourage you to maybe pick one up and to follow along with these books. They'll be a good resource for you. One of the things that we're doing all this for is because we believe that God, we believe what God says in Proverbs 4.18. In Proverbs 4.18, it says, but the path of the righteous, okay, that means there's a path that those who are righteous, those who are believers that we walk on, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun. This morning sun, and as, it, as the sun begins to peak over the horizon, it's dark, but it gets brighter. 
And so it says, but the path of the righteous is like the morning sun that gets brighter and brighter until the full day. And that's what we want for you as individuals. We want your days to be getting brighter. We want that for our church. We want days to be getting brighter for us as a church. And we know that there is this full day coming when we are going to stand in the presence of Jesus. When he is going to come back, everything that's been broken is going to be restored. All sins going to be gone. And that we are going to live on this new hev- in a new heaven, on a new earth, with new bodies, with our glorious Savior forever. That's the full day. He's taken us there. But as we go, we are on a journey that's hard. We are on a road that it's difficult, and we live in a fallen, broken world. But in the midst of that, God is telling us that if we follow him, our days can get brighter. Now, there's a distinction between brighter and easier. We understand that. Just because things get brighter doesn't mean it's getting easier. Because we realize that life's hard. Life's hard because of things that happen to us, things, decisions that we make because of the world we live in. But we have confidence as we grow to love God, to know him, to live for him, that we can begin bearing the fruit of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness. All these fruit of the Spirit can be growing in us as we follow this path of the righteous. So that's the big idea about where we're going. And we want to begin this whole series with the idea of prayer. Because prayer, without, because there are things that God's calling us to do that we cannot do. That we are unable and incapable and powerless to do on our own. And we need God to work. And not only do we need God to work, I hope we want God to work. That we want God to do for us far more abundantly, exceedingly than all that we could ever ask or imagine. To do way more in us than we can do ourselves. And so we're going to begin with prayer. And last week we used a very simple definition of prayer, that prayer is talking to God. Very straightforward. Then we built on that a little bit with a definition by a man named Alvin Reed. And it's this, that prayer is intimacy with God that leads to the fulfillment of his purposes. And so two ideas, big ideas in that definition, that prayer is about this relationship that we have with God, a warm, personal, inviting kind of relationship that we know him and we love him. But it's also, it's, a, it's an intimacy that leads to the fulfillment of his promises. There are things God wants to accomplish, and he wants to use us to accomplish them. And so we use pray, he uses prayers, called us to pray so that this would unfold. In the book that I'm encouraging you to read, the author describes prayer as breathing. Prayer is like breathing. He says that prayer is necessary, necessary for everything, and enables every activity. So, and we, last week we talked about this idea of praying. We talked about what happens when our prayer becomes sporadic. Whenever we aren't praying consistently, and maybe like sleep apnea, right? I mean, that's a big thing right now. It seems like everybody has sleep apnea. And what happens at night? You stop breathing, right? And, and because you stop breathing, that begins to affect your health. You know, your brain's not working right. You feel miserable. You're tired all the time. Why? Because you're not breathing consistently. Well, in the spiritual sense, when we're not praying consistently, that, that it's almost as though we have prayer apnea. This prayer apnea that there's stuff going on that's not right. And so rather than depending on God for prayer, that, that rather than depending on it, that we treat prayer like a prescription medication, something we just need from time to time. 
But God, in his wisdom, has called us to something better. God has called us to pray. And our this morning, the big idea we're going to be talking about is to pray faithfully. That we would pray faithfully, that we would pray purposefully, that we would pray passionately, that we would pray faithfully. And tonight, tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a prayer time. And I, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. I want to encourage you to come. And you think, well, I'm not comfortable. That's all right. It's not a good excuse not to pray. So I don't want to pray with other people. God calls us to pray with other people, to do this together. So tonight, we're going to take time to pray together at 6 o'clock, and it's going to be easy for you. You're uncomfortable. We're making it very simple ways to do this, okay? And I uh, just want to encourage you to come and try it. And I would encourage you to stretch yourself. And maybe if you came tonight, then I'll, I'll say this. You only have to say three sentences the whole night. Okay, how's that? You come to prayer night tonight, you can participate, and you only say three sentences, and I'm confident you will be blessed. Okay? Trust me. Or not even just trust me, test me. Come tonight and see. So we're going to put this into practice tonight, 6 o'clock. Well, as we think about this prayer, this morning we're going to begin by talking about this laying a foundation to why we can even pray. Why is it that we can talk to God. In one sense, we'd ask the question, who do we think we are? To be able to enter into the throne room of the King of Kings, that the Lord of life, the one who spoke and all of creation came into being in the vastness of this universe, the 13 billion light years that this across that this universe is, that we are like this tiny, 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 minute little speck Why does God even care? And what gives us a right to think that he would hear us? As we open up the word of God, we realize that the reason why we can pray is because that there's a Savior. Because of what Jesus Christ has done. I want us to see this morning, our first point is this, that we need to pray faithfully in response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This begins with a clear understanding of the gospel that God says he's created us, he's made us, he's made us in his image to reflect him, and yet, although he's made us to reflect him, to know, love, and live for him, that we all know that we don't do things the way God wants them to. We would say, well, we mess up here and there. I don't do everything the way God wants me to. You're right, you don't. None of us do. And God calls that sin, and that sin creates a problem. In Isaiah 59, 2, look what it says here. I have, this morning, we're going to look at a lot of different verses, so I've put them in your bulletin, and I'm going to put some on the screen. We're not going to have time to look at all of them, but I want them to be in your notes so that uh, you, can, you can follow along and really see what these, how these truths fit together. But Isaiah 59, 2 shows us the problem. It says, but your iniquities, your sins have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Here's the picture. God's made us to know him, to love him, to live for him. He's made us to live like this with him. But we see all the way back in the Garden of Eden that we see like Eve, like Adam, all of us think, I have a better plan for my life. I know God says that if I follow him, that's the best way, but I think I have a better way. And so we turn from God. We tell lies, we steal, we have immoral thoughts, we do things that we know are wrong, that we sin. And our sin moves us away from God. 
And it also, it also builds this wall between us. And it's not just that, that we have turned and we've moved away from God. This verse tells us that God has hidden his face from us. So he does not hear. And so as God created us to live in a face-to-face relationship because of our sin, he's turned away. And he's turned away because he is too righteous to look upon our sin. He knows it, but the sin has caused a separation. And because of that, God has no obligation to listen to our prayers. Our sin also leads to death. Our sin leads to judgment. We live separated from God, and as we die, that we are separated from Him from all of eternity, and that the Bible talks about judgment coming upon us because of our sin. And yet, God, in His grace, has done something amazing for us. Turn with me, if you're not already there, in Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to encourage you to follow along with, um, with us in these passages. And again, you don't have to turn to all of them, but I want to, some of these I really want to be pointed. In this, if you don't have a Bible, there's a pew Bible close to you. And this is on, in your pew Bible, this is on page 976. So follow along because this is about what God says, not what this pastor says. And it says this, And you, that's all of us, that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. So, we're dead. So, what would have to happen before you're dead? Well, you have to be alive, right? There's this idea that our sins has caused this separation. Sin has caused this death. That you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. He lays this out here in these first three verses. He demonstrates our position as being separated from God. We're dead, means we're separated from life. We are tr- we're dead in these trespasses that we have crossed over lines that we know we shouldn't have. God's lane, laid lines and said, no trespassing, but we've gone to places God has not desired us to go. And we've, in these trespasses, as we once walked in them, that's all of us, following the course of the world, that we're just doing what everybody else does. We're just like everybody else. And that's the point he's making. We're all in this together. He says, following the prince of the power of the air. We're following the influence of Satan, what he wants us to do. And we would say, well, I didn't like bow down to Satan. I wasn't following him. It's like I didn't like, okay, I see Satan. I'm going to follow him. That's not the point. The point is he has a way that he's taken us, and we follow along. It goes on. He says, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's us. He says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh. That means we're doing what we want to do. I do what I do because I feel what I feel. I'm just doing that. And he says, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So Our situation is bad. But then we get to verse 4. In verse 4, we see this glorious hope. It says, but God... But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive, alive together with Christ. 
By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And this glorious verb passage is teaching us that while we were separated from God in His love, He has risen to action and He sent His Son, His Son who died on the cross. And this passage tells us if we have repented of our sins and we will trust Him, that our sins have been nailed to the cross with Him. That we, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, have been buried with Him. Our old self is dead. But then, as Jesus rose from the dead, we are raised Raised to walk in newness of life. That's what God has done for us. If, and, and this morning, I want to I encourage you. If you're still trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing, I would encourage you to hang out in these first few chapters of Ephesians and thinking about what does God do for those who profess His name? What does God do for those who truly are, know Him as their Savior? How has He done that? What has He done? And to camp out in these chapters and just pray, God, help me understand what you've done for me and how much you've loved me. This good news is called the gospel. And I would encourage you, if, you're, if you've not come to know this, I would urge, I'll listen, I would beg you, open up the word. Read it. And when you read it and God opens your eyes and you see it, that you would talk to him, that you would confess, God, I know that I've rebelled against you, but you have provided help and hope for me through Jesus Christ. Lord, I trust him. I'm trusting no longer in myself, but I'm trusting Christ to make me new, that I confess and then he makes us new, that he gives us new life and calls us to be born again. And I would encourage you this morning, if you're a believer in Christ, that you'd be in resonating with that. Say, God, thank you for doing that in my life. But if you're not this morning a believer, I'd encourage you, talk to him. Talk to him. Well, as we consider these verses that we're saved by grace, and this now opens up an opportunity for us to pray. This opens up the opportunity. And, and in John 14, 6, it's a familiar verse that why is it that we can pray? Well, Jesus has torn down the wall that separated us from God. And in John fourteen six, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The only way we get to God is through Jesus Christ. And, and look in this verse with me. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. This is not on the screen, but you can write it down. 1 Peter 3.18. This is on page 1015 um, or 16 in your uh, pew Bible. 1 Peter 3.18. This is a tremendous verse that summarizes, I believe, is a clear summary of the gospel and what Jesus has done for us. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ... He also suffered once for sin. How many times? Once, okay, for sin. The righteous for the unrighteous. The sinless one for sinners. Okay, Christ suffered once for sin. The righteous for the unrighteous. That he might bring us to God. 
That's why Jesus is the only way to the Father. He brings us to the Father. We can't get to the Father on our own. Our good works, we don't climb some spiritual mountain and finally arrive in God's presence. We have to be brought into His presence. And we are brought into His presence not by our works, but by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. For Christ also also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. God's done for us. This is why we can pray. We can pray because Jesus has brought us into the presence of God. Second, 1 Timothy 2.5 tells us there's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. That he stands as we pray, Jesus hears our prayers and interprets them for the Father, and we have access through Jesus. That's why we can pray. And listen, that's why we should pray faithfully. All of that has been done to open the door to the Father so that we can pray. Pray faithfully. Pray faithfully in response to the gospel. But I also want to encourage you that we'd pray faithfully in response to God's invitations and commands. Listen, God has not only opened the door, but He opens the door and He says, Come to me. Pray to me. Speak to me. Look at what some of these verses say. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. The door is open. We would look at Matthew 7, 7. This is Jesus. He says, Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. The door's open. It's been open through Jesus Christ. Will we pray faithfully? The invitation has been extended. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus, talking to his disciples, taught them, he says, and he told them a parable in the effect that they ought always pray and not lose heart. And just with this verse, I would just ask, is it easy for us to lose heart? Is it easy for us to be discouraged and disappointed with life and frustrated about how things go? I would ask the question of you, how quickly does that then turn you to pray? Discouragement, this is what it says, that you ought to always pray and not lose heart. There is a connection between losing heart and not praying. That we pray that God gives us hope. He, give, he reminds us, access is open. Ask, seek, knock. He wants to answer our prayers, and He is working. We would look at Romans 12, 12. It says, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Constant in prayer. Faithfully praying. We would see in Colossians 4, 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. It would be this idea, pray, pray. Pray, pray, pray all through the scriptures. And we hear this over and over again. And we'd ask the question, why does he keep telling us that? Why does he keep saying, pray, keep praying, pray continually, pray always, pray at all times? Why does he keep telling us that? Here's a question I would ask of you. How many of you need to keep being told to pray because you forget or you're just not doing it? Anybody else besides me need to continue to hear those reminders? Pray. And, and, it's, and it's not like you go pray, it's like God has not, it's not like there's this mountain we have to climb to get to God to pray. Jesus has opened the door. Free access. 
Well, as we pray, the invitation to God's command that we need these reminders, that we would pray in response to the gospel, that we would pray in response to this invitation that God has given to us, but that we would also pray in dependence on God. That we would pray in dependence on God. You see, prayer expresses humility. Prayer expresses humility. John chapter 15, verse 5 says this, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. And then he says this, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What does prayer do? Prayer demonstrates my dependence. What does that mean? Listen, here's what that means, is that proud people don't pray. You realize that your prayerlessness could very well be a reflection of your pride. I don't need God. I wake up today. I'm going to work. I know my schedule. I know what I'm going to do. I don't need to pray, God. I'm actually, Frank, I'm not thinking about you right now, God, because I got stuff pretty well figured out. I don't pray, and I don't pray, and I don't pray. Why don't we pray? Because we think we're fine without God. Now, we never say that, right? I mean, does anybody say, I'm not praying today because I don't need God? And if don't raise your hand if you've prayed that. Repent, okay, if you've prayed that, right? But by our actions, we're just trusting God to be faithful. God, keep blessing me. God, don't let me get discouraged. God, don't let anything bad happen. God, that's kind of what our assumption is. And so, and God, you know what? If something does, I'll let you know. I'll let you know when I need you. Because I know you're always there for me. You see, we've got theology that's right. The problem is our practice. Because we don't pray because prayer expresses our humility. And frankly, we're often very proud. We'd see this as well, that prayer also not only expresses our humility, but prayer empowers ministry. We can't do God's work without God. That's pretty obvious, right? I mean, we can't do God's work without God. But what we can do without God, we can run programs, we can have studies, we can do projects without God. But we can't accomplish God's work without God. And we can be busy, 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 busy with ministry and wondering, why isn't much happening? Why isn't God blessing us? And there may be a whole host of reasons for that. But I'm confident that one of them is oftentimes because we're not praying. We're not asking God to do more than what we can do on our own. We are sufficient. Throughout the book of Acts, the early church, they prayed, they prayed, they prayed, and God worked. That is recorded for us not to, to, to understand how God established the early church, but also to help us to learn some things to learn that that we can't do anything of lasting, eternal value apart from God's work. You see, oftentimes, Daniel Henderson, he's an author, and he describes oftentimes how we do ministry. He describes that we do ministry oftentimes as like a motorboat rather than a sailboat. And a motorboat idea is this, that I I gas up my engine, I tune it, I I get it started, and I... and I'm steering it, and I'm going wherever I want to over the lake, high octane, we're getting stuff done for God. And it goes, and then it kind of sputters and runs out of gas. And we've got to fill it back up, and let's go again. Versus a sailboat. How does a sailboat work? What, what, let me ask a different question. 
what is the only way a sailboat works if the wind's blowing? That we need to be a church that is dependent on God, that we are depending on Him, and that what we're going to do, we're going to be faithful to run up the sails, and we're going to run up the sails, and we're going to trust God to work, and that God will trust God to move us along at the pace He wants us to be moving and the direction that He wants us to be moving. And we realize, too, how quickly does, what, on our motorboat, you run out of gas? Here's a question. Do we ever run out of wind? You think, well, sometimes the wind stops blowing. Now, I'd agree with you. Say, okay, what happens if we're doing ministry like a sailboat and the wind stops blowing? What do we do? Start fishing. All right? And wait for the wind to blow again. Right? What do we do? We're trusting the wind. We're going to trust God. And the way that we trust God is through our prayers that we would pray faithfully. God, work in us and through us in a way that we can't work on our own. A few other verses that would help us to see this in Philippians. Paul says this, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. His deliverance is tied to the church's prayers. We see in the book of Colossians, that Paul's praying for this church to be fruitful. And he knows the only way this church is going to be fruitful, the only way that they're going to be growing is by him praying. We need to have that same commitment. The only way spiritual ministry is going to take place is if we're asking God to do the work. We need to be faithful, faithful in our efforts, but faithful in our prayers. And then as we will watch, we will watch God work. Well, not only do we need to pray in dependence on God, we also need to pray in, with confidence in God. This is a beautiful thing. God's invited us to pray. And then we can have confidence that He is going to accomplish His will through our prayers. In Matthew 7, verses, chapter 7, verses 7 to 11, that's where we read just a moment ago, Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. As you ask, He will hear. He, he hears us. In John chapter 14, look what it says. It says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That's confidence. Now, there are certainly other verses. That doesn't mean every single thing I'm ever going to ask for is always going to be answered by God. There are other scriptures that would help fill in what this verse fully means. But what he's saying is, pray. Ask. Do you want me to work? Then ask. And God's inviting us to pray faithfully. One more passage I want you to turn with me to in your Bibles is Hebrews 4. In Hebrews 4, this is a wonderful summary passage of this call for us to be a praying people, a people who are depending on God, a people who are confident in God, a people who are looking for God to do in us far more than we could ever Ask or imagine. Hebrews 4. And it begins in verse 14. It says this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Jesus is our high priest. He stands in heavens for us that we can hold fast to what we believe. He says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
that he knows us. He identifies with us. And then here's the key. He says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Let us draw near to God with what? With confidence. That we draw near to Him to receive mercy and grace in our time of need. And so the question would be, when is our time of need? When is a time that we need grace and we need God's help? It's always that we would continually be coming before His throne. That we would come before Him as humble, humble servants. But with great confidence that He has opened the door and invited us to pray. And that our response would be to pray faithfully. And tonight, we're going to talk about this a little more. We're, going to spend, we're not going to talk a lot. We're going to pray tonight. And, and we're going to pray together. And we're going, to, we're going to talk about a pattern of prayer that can be helpful for you in your own personal life as you think about, okay, if I'm going to do this, how might I do this well? Okay? But, 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 but this morning before we go, just one little thing I'd encourage you to do. Last week, I encouraged you to take your prayer temperature. Are you hot? cold, lukewarm, what, what's your prayer temperature? And I ask you to be praying that God would increase your prayer temperature. I would encourage you to continue to pray that. But I would also encourage you to pray, God, help me to be a praying man, a praying woman, a praying... God, help me to become someone who is confident and dependent upon you in prayer. God, help me to be faithful in this. Do you think that's a prayer God would be like, Hey, that's a great prayer. I think I'll help him answer that one. I think that's something God wants. He wants us to be a praying people. Let's pray that God would help us be a praying people. And that helps. It helps you pray. God wants to work in that. And then we'll give you some tools to help grow in that. Right? God wants us to be a praying people. Well, this morning, we're going to conclude our time this morning by singing. And we're going to sing a song about how good it is about how good our God is when we gather together, when we listen to the Word of God, when we pray together. And so our song is a motivation to apply what we have been learning, but also for us to, to, to rejoice in the opportunity that God has given to us to be a praying people. So let us look to Him. Father, we thank You. We thank You that You've opened the door for us to pray. And God, I confess I confess in my own life a shortcoming in prayer. Lord, I confess that as a church, we have not been praying as we need to be. And Lord, we want to change that. Lord, we don't want to simply be a church that prays in a crisis. Lord, we want to be a praying church. That we would be developing a culture where we are looking to you first rather than last. That we are putting up the sail and asking you to fill the sail and to direct the ministries of Eastside Baptist Church. Lord, that we would be a praying church because we are a praying people. And so God, start in us. Start in each one of us. God, start in me. Make us a praying people so that we would be a praying church and that we would watch you work in us, your purposes, that we would see people being saved, 
that we would be seeing believers growing in their love for you, that we would watch marriages be restored, families put back together, those who are broken being healed. God, we ask that you would help us to be a praying church, a church that longs for an intimate relationship with you and for you to accomplish your purposes through us. God, help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.